Let's look at the Word of God together today. If you're visiting with us, we've been spending some time going through the book of Ephesians, and I have had a blast doing it so far. It has been the favorite series I've ever preached in my life to this point. I'm just loving it. And so I hope you're loving it too. So um, we're going to start today a little different. We're just going to read our text up front. Usually I give a little introduction. We're going to read our text to start with, and then we're going to kind of put it in context and then see what the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has to say to us. So Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and today we're only looking at one verse. Ephesians 4, verse 24. Ready? It says, Put and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and truth, righteousness and holiness of the truth. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Would you pray with me? Father, help us today. Because Lord, we're, we're transitioning in the book of, of Ephesians into real personal applications. This is kind of a general message from Paul today. But God, this is going to be about how we actually live out our Christianity. And God, I pray, would you help us? Would you help us, God, to wade through all the things we believe, all the the truths and the untruths, all all the struggles and the victories, so that we would truly become people who really look like you. We reflect your glory. And God, that's what we want to look at today, reflecting your glory. Help us to understand this so that we can be transformed from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now let's remember something. Let's remember where we're at as we're going through the book of Ephesians because we've got to put this in context for it to make sense. In the first three chapters of the book, Paul's just using theology to talk about the wonders of life in Christ. All this flowery language, which is awesome and it's stretching, you know, about being seated in heavenly places and being saved by grace and being formed into the body of Christ. Then in chapter 4 that we're in now, Paul goes from theological to very practical and basically says, how does this theology work itself out in your everyday life? And last week, when I remember we were here, I put coveralls on and took coveralls off. Last week we saw that the working out of our Christian life is about internal transformation that results in external change. That the putting off of the old self of sin, which is unfitting for God's children, first requires internal change, a renewal of the spirit of our minds. And we talked about what that was all about last week. Then as we think and that process, as we think and see about life differently, our lives will begin to line up with what we believe. That's that putting out of new self. We'll begin to act different. We'll act according to what we are inside. That external change reflects internal transformation. And I'd really recommend, if you weren't here, um, you, get, you go on the website and listen to the podcast about that I, process of transformation that we talked about last week. Because I think the understanding of it is critical for spiritual growth and maturity. So last week we focused on how this transformation takes place and how it results in external change. Now for today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what that external change actually begins to look like. That's what Paul begins to do here in our text. Really, from this point on in the letter of Ephesians, uh, he simply explains what proper Christian conduct looks like. Conduct that results from heart change. Conduct 
that results from transformation. That if I'm transformed on the inside, what will I begin to look like on the outside? Now, the reason, as we're looking at that, that I, we're only looking at one verse today, is because Paul's really systematic about how he does stuff. He's been talking about, here's how change works, and now at verse 24, what he does, he just makes a general statement about proper Christian conduct before he begins to get more specific in the coming verses, really, for the whole rest of the book, about applications of what that would really look like in your everyday life. So he makes this broad, general statement. That's what verse 24 is. Look at it with me again. He makes a broad, general statement about, about proper Christian conduct. He says, and put on, he says, put off the old junk before this, be transformed on the inside, and now put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So he's not saying anything specific. He's not saying stop lying. He's making a general statement about the transformation on the outside. Put on this new self, which in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Look at what what this says. That the new self that we are putting on, or the people that we are becoming as we're renewed on the inside that the intention of the transformation on the inside is that we would be shaped to look like God on the outside. That's exactly what he's saying here, right? Put on this new self, which has the likeness of God. And I really think that we need to pause here and consider the implications of this one little tiny thought because it has the potential to truly affect how we approach our lives what we value, what we don't value, and what we strive for. See, Paul tells us that the new self that we put on as children of God, that we would, that in order that we, that we would, what would it look like is we would reflect the likeness of God, and that another way that the Bible talks about that, the Bible explains that, that we as God's people, as we become like him, are what? We are image bearers of God. In the book of Genesis, when it talks about man, how does it describe man? It says that man was what? Created in the image of God. That's what Paul is getting at here. This idea of man looking like God. And it doesn't mean we have long beards and, you know, I'm not sure what God looks like. No man's seen it. But what it says is we somehow reveal the reality of God that he's talking about this idea all the way back from Genesis that we are image bearers of God. That man is made in the image of God for a reason. To reflect the image of God. And that's what Paul is getting at here. And it's not an unusual concept for Paul. Paul refers to the same thing in the letter that he wrote to the people in the Colossians when he says this, but he expands on it a little bit. In Colossians 3.10 he says this, And have put on the new self, there it is again, putting on something new, who is being renewed, that's exactly what he said in Ephesians, be renewed so he can put on a new self, So put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now who is the one who created him? God. So this whole process of renewal has to do with becoming conformed to the image of God that we are image bearers of God. The biblical idea of transformation that results from salvation and the ongoing partnership with the Holy Spirit to bring that continual change, the result is to be that we reveal the image of God to man. Do you understand that you are meant to reveal the image of God? 
Some of you say, well, you know what, Pastor Mark, you don't know me. I'm not very good and I'm not very smart or, you know what, I wish I looked different. You know what, friends? You're wrong. You're made in the image of God and God's plan for your transformation is that you become more and more like Him and you more and more reveal His wonder and glory and goodness. You reveal the image of God. That's why you were created. Notice something here. Paul says in Colossians that we are being renewed into the image of God. Some people have believed that there's just a stamp of God on you. That's not what Paul says here. We understand that what man has created are made in the image of God, but we understand that there's a problem with that. And Paul says here that the image of God is something that has to be renewed, where we're being renewed into the image of God. You see, man was created in God's image originally. We understand that from Genesis. We also understand from Genesis that sin entered the equation. Sin fractured or distorted that image. But when we come to know Christ at salvation, and then through ongoing spiritual formation... Paul's saying that man then continually becomes more a more accurate image bearer of God. That the more we are renewed on the inside, the more we are transformed on the inside, that the more on the outside we reflect an accurate image of God. The main way people see God is through his reflection in his people. The main way people see God is through his reflection in other people who say they're his followers. You know, yes, we do see God. We see God's fingerprints in creation. His beauty, his order, his design. The land could look at me and get little glimpses of me, right? But you couldn't really tell what I was doing. You get little glimpses of me, cracks through the, through the barrier, where I can kind of get an idea there's God. And, and we see that in creation. That there is, there's design, there's order. How many times you stood in an ocean and just said, there has to be a God. Or you look at a, a tiny little flower and you say, there has to be a God. Now, Scripture calls that general revelation. I mean, I should say, theologians call that general revelation. What that means is, people get the idea that there is a God because of looking at his creation, but we know from God's word that you can't really know God that way. You can, get a, you can get a glimpse of him, you get some insights, but you can't really know God through just the design of the world. But God says in his word, man is his image bearer. For, that Man is the one who reveals the image of God to the world. We see that specifically in Jesus It said, when you see him, you've seen the reality of God, the Father. In him, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. But it also applies to us as humankind. God says man is his image bearer. That Christian maturity is about putting on a new self in his likeness. That it is being renewed to a truer image of our creator. That we can reflect the image of God. And I want you to think about how important this is. Our transformation, meaning our change on the inside that results in outside change, this putting off of the old and putting on of the new because of a renewed spirit of our mind. Our transformation isn't just about ourselves. That's the way we view it a lot of times. Oh, if I just get closer to Jesus, I'll be able to overcome this addiction. Or I'll be a nicer person. If I just become more like this, I'll be more loving. That stuff might all be true. 
But our transformation is also about the image of God that we reflect to other people about God. Here's what I want you to get from this illustration. Write down this, this line that I just thought, this is the way to understand. I never thought of this before this way. The line of sight between God and others runs through us. The line of sight between God and others runs through us who are Christians. That we reflect the image of God. The line of sight didn't go here to here. The line of sight went that way. Or that way is what it really did. The line of sight between God and others runs through us. We're like an angled mirror reflecting the glory of God. We, they see us and the glory of God is reflected to them. We're like an angled mirror. So friends, how we live, it matters. What we give our energies to, what are the most important things in our life? Where do we invest our time and our effort and our money? How we live, how we act, meaning what liberties, because in Christ we have liberties. All things are allowable, not all things are profitable. So what liberties we choose to exercise because I say I have a right, as Americans especially, to do whatever I like and whatever I enjoy and whatever is beneficial to me, we got to think about that. How I act goes way beyond me. How I use my liberties is not just about me. It goes way beyond me. I'm an image bearer of God And people's view of God is reflected through me, one who claims to be a child of God. I say I'm a Christian, so what I do matters. Friends, this should give us pause before we move into the practical applications that the Apostle Paul is going to make in the rest of Ephesians. Give us pause when we are tempted as we begin to go through these different areas in Ephesians, tempted to dismiss what Paul expresses as proper Christian conduct, Oh, that's just old-fashioned. Or we want to rationalize why that particular teaching doesn't really apply anymore in general or doesn't at least apply to me. We need to pause and think about the huge responsibility and the huge opportunity we have as image bearers of God. Let's think about those things. We have the responsibility to take seriously our transformation into Christ-likeness. I don't know if you think you've ever thought of this before, maybe. You have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility, to take seriously my transformation. It's not about me, just. My internal transformation. I have a responsibility to take that seriously because it's not just about my likes and my dislikes. It's about what picture or image of God you reflect onto the onlooking world. Think about this. And this might be uncomfortable, and you might not like what you see, but here's the good news with God. He's always going to help you do better. You say, but I failed in the past. The past is the past. Today is important, and tomorrow's right in front of us. And God doesn't, doesn't condemn us for the past. He just says, now do better now and in the future. But think about this. What image of God do your children have about you, about God rather? By looking at you. What image of God do your children or your grandchildren have about God 
what's the, if the line of sight of God goes through us, it's reflected, what image of God do your children or your grandchildren have about God as they look at you? What image of God do your co-workers have about God by looking at you? Do they look at you and see a reflection of the image of God? What image of God does your spouse, the one who knows you more than anybody on the planet? Friends, what's most important is what the people closest to you believe, not what the people furthest away from you believe. It doesn't matter what the crowds say. It matters what those who are closest with you say because they know the truth. What image of God does your spouse have about God by looking at you? In verse 24, Paul says that the image should be one that reflects righteousness and holiness and truth. We need to ask ourselves, are these the things that we reflect? You know, none of us is going to reflect these things perfectly. But the question we ask is, are they developing in us as other things are falling away? Paul says, put off the old Put on the new. Are these new things, the good things, the glory of God things, the righteousness, holiness, and truth things being developed in us as old things are falling away? Are we changing? That's what we ask ourselves. It's a big responsibility. But not only is it a big responsibility, friends, it's a wonderful opportunity. Think of this. We get to help people see God. If the line of sight for to see God goes through us, we get to help people see God. So many times people, they hyper-spiritualize this stuff. They think, you know, they think of terms like ministry or evangelism. They think of those things as something hard or something that pastors do. But in reality, it's the opportunity each of us has as we simply reflect the image of God to the world around us. When we act different than the world, meaning... We're not selfish and said we're generous. We're not impatient and said we're patient. We're not rude and said we're kind. We're not unforgiving and said we're forgiving. What happens? We act different to the world around us. We are reflecting something that people take notice of. Our kids see us as different. Now, a lot of times our kids see us as different. They go, Dad, you're just weird. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of different. I'm talking about they see us as different in a good way. And they say... I like what I see. Or our co-workers will see if as different in a good way when instead of being rude, we're kind. Instead of being selfish, we're, we're generous. And they'll say, I like what I see. And they'll add something. And I want what you have. That's as simple as it is. What a wonderful opportunity to be engaged in the most important activity on the planet. Helping people see the reality and the goodness of God reflected in your life. And friends, it's not meant to be a static thing. It's meant to be something that grows and changes as you allow the activity of the Holy Spirit and you engage with the Holy Spirit activity and you invest energy with the activity of the Holy Spirit to allow transformation to take place in your life. It's an incredible opportunity. Friends, this is the idea behind what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 25. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me. And, and I want you to hear me till the end because you're going to go, that's not, that's not really what he's talking about here. I'm going, to show, I'm going to apply it in this way. Because it's talking about people's actions 
having results. Matthew chapter 25, let's read this section, starting in verse 31. It says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the goats on his right and the, the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will come and say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So guess what? The, the, the line of sight from God to people also goes through people. Verse 41. Then he will also say, to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And friends, this is not, not the topic of the sermon today, but just put a circle around that verse for yourself. When all the latest preaching says there's no such thing as hell, um, just read what Jesus says. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will themselves also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then you'll answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, Jesus is relating this to end times, to judgment, you know, and eternity. That's what he's, he's relating this concept to. But I want us to look at it from a little different perspective because it's very, very, it's very applicable to apply it to a different perspective here. Uh, from a, this perspective of not judgment, but from the perspective of opportunity. Those who reflected the reality of God by acting like God. That's what they were doing, right? They were acting like image bearers of God. They clothed the hungry. They, they took care of the needy. You know, they, they gave food to people. They gave clothes to people. Those were people who were acting like God who cares for all people. Those who reflected the reality of God by acting like God were praised and rewarded. Those who fed the hungry gave a drink to the thirsty, cared for a stranger, gave clothes to the needy, visited those in prison. All simple, doable things, by the way. And I love the way Jesus does this. You do not need to have a college degree or a lot of money to do any of these. Anyone, any person in the world can do any one of these things. Those who acted different than the self-centered culture around them were those who said, when did we do these things? When did we see you? They were just a normal culture. When did we? They lived in the same world, but they didn't see anybody to help. They said they would have, maybe they saw them, but... It wasn't important to them. 
Those who acted different than the self-centered culture around them, they reflected the reality of God to the world and the world back to God. And what happens? They are praised and they are rewarded for it. Listen, friends. In spite of what maybe current, some current preaching might say, it does matter what we do. It does matter how we act. What we do and do not participate in does matter. Just exercising our liberties for our own good isn't always the best reflection of what God wants. The child of God is given this awesome responsibility and this incredible opportunity to reflect the image of God to the world. Friends, let's remember this every single day. The line of sight to God goes through his people. What an awesome, what a, what, a, what a great responsibility. But what an awesome opportunity. So we ask ourselves, and we ask God to show us, what do people see in me? And I think this is something you ask the Lord to show you. What do people see in me? Is it the righteousness and holiness and truth that results from a life of continuous spiritual transformation? as I abide in, in, in Christ and cooperate with the Spirit's activity in my life, are people saying, man, you know what? His temper is not as bad as it used to be. I think my kids say that. His dad's temper is not as bad as it used to be. When I was in my 20s, it was pretty bad. My 30s, it wasn't as bad. My 40s, but you know what? My 50s, it's a lot better. Or do others see someone who is really very little different than the old self or just the rest of society around them. And they go, there's no difference between you and anybody else. Paul says, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And what we're learning from Paul is that's not something that's just done through self-effort. Yes, we have effort, but it's the activity of God through spiritual transformation that results in allowing God access into our lives and putting energy into our walk with him so that he can mold and shape us for his glory. I'm going to invite Pastor Mitch to lead us in this chorus, Change My Heart, O God. A lot of you are familiar with this. Let's sing this through a couple of times, then we'll close in prayer.